This is Daf Pechet in Masechet Eruvin. We're starting on Pezayin Amud Bet at the new Mishnah towards the third, uh, probably about a third from the bottom. Gizustrashi lemala minamayim, a kind of a balcony that sticks out of the side of the house or apartment that is above the water. In Malina Mena B'Shabbat, you cannot draw water from the body of water that is below. You have to make some kind of a wall either above or below that balcony enclosing it so that when you draw the water, you're drawing it within a an enclosed area. We imagine as if the walls that you make, the enclosure that you make either on the balcony facing upward or below the balcony facing downward are really actually enclosing the water below. And so similarly, if you had uh, two balconies sticking out, one was a little bit higher than the other one, and the one that was higher had such a watering hole, and the one that was lower did not. Since they share it normally, they share that watering hole, if they made only, uh, the, the, you know, it, since there's only one watering hole, so then those two apartments would have to have an eruv with each other in order for the people on the lower uh, the lower balcony to you to throw their bucket over and to use the upper balcony. However, the, the watering hole of the upper balcony. But if they didn't make an eruv, so then even the people who live in the upper apartment, since that balcony with the hole to reach the water is shared with another family, and they didn't make an eruv with that family, they won't be able to use it even themselves, even though it's right off their own. Apartment. Now the Gemara says, Our Mishnah does not follow Why not? Like we learned in yesterday's daf, in the previous daf, that according to Chananya ben you could have a horizontally uh, facing um, plank or board, which is four by four amot, and you make a hole that is four by four tvachim in the center, and you imagine that the four sides of it extend downwards and make an enclosure, and you can draw water from it. But here you see that you can't do that. It says you need a mechitzav ten tvachim, either facing upwards or facing downwards. You can't just have a horizontal pla- uh, sort of horizontal board that you're going to imagine it folds downwards. So he says, only allowed this concept of the folding of the board when the water below is the yam of Tiberia. We said in the previous daf, because since there's a lot of enclosures and structures alongside the banks of this body of water anyway, it's already really considered enclosed. So what you're doing is just extra. But he wouldn't say that about any other case where there's a body of water underneath the balcony that you could just imagine that the sides of the, the horizontal board are, facing, are, are folded downwards. He wouldn't normally say that. There were three things that Rabbi Hananav Nakavya permitted for the people of Tiberia. Malin Shabbat. You can you can draw water from a balcony like this, from a board, from making a hole and and lowering a bucket through it, um, like we said previously. And you can also use like the uh, the psolet, the waste of, of beans and stuff like that for uh, for storing food. And Rashi says you can do that. Uh, with it's basically with the um, waste of beans, like the uh, chaff of beans and stuff like that. And even though it is, it has moisture on it, it will not make your fruits that you store in it susceptible to tumah, as we'll see in a second. And uh, also, we said that you can also dry yourself with a towel on Shabbat. So it says, what do we see that you can draw water even from one of these balconies on Shabbat? We already said it. What about the idea that you can 
store your fruit in the waste product or in the, the chaff of the beans. So, oh, I skipped a part, right? It says, Mayhi, what is this case? If a person goes to bring some of this bean uh, chaff in order to store, in order to put it on his fruit. So, if you went early in the morning specifically because you wanted to get the uh, you wanted to get it when there was dew on it from the morning. So then that's Bechiyutan. That means you wanted that moisture. And since you wanted the moisture, the rule is that anytime you wanted the moisture to be there, then it can now qualify things and make them susceptible to, to Tum'ah. If you didn't want it to be there, it's called, uh, it's not Bechiyutan. It's not something that you wanted. So therefore, it doesn't qualify. That moisture will not qualify the fruits that it comes into contact with to receive Tum'ah. So that's why it says, if you just did it early in the morning, if you did it early in the morning because you wanted to do, so then you wanted to do, but if you just didn't want to waste time from your work, so then you don't really want to do, you just wanted to save time, and that's why you went and did it. And the average people of Tiberia, they definitely get up early because they want to save time for work and to maximize the time that they have. And that's why Rabbi Hanadab said that they, when they get up early and get the bean chaff to store their, their fruits, to, uh, you know, to, to place their fruits in it, to preserve them, they don't want the dew. They just want to start early because they have a lot of work to do and they want to get ahead of the game. And that's why he allowed that. And he said that that doesn't qualify those fruits as mikablim tum'ah. And we learned that he allowed them to dry with a towel. So Mayhi, what's that talking about? Because the rabbi said that if a person dries up in the bathhouse on Shabbat, back in the day they were allowed to go in the bathhouse, and he leaves it, he, he, now the, the thing is, Rashi says, mm-hmm. So Rashi works around the problem of washing on Shabbat because he says that it's talking about that you used cold water or on Yom Tov. Right, so then you dry yourself off with a towel. And we're not worried that you're going to squeeze it out uh, of water. However, you leave it in the window. You should not give it to the bathhouse attendant if you went to the bathhouse. Because they are suspect that they will squeeze out the towel to dry it and then hand it to the next customer. And, the, and you're not allowed to squeeze out the towel on Shabbat because it is libun. It is considered to be like laundering the towel. He can even take that towel all the way home with him. He doesn't have to leave it right there in the window and not give it to the bathhouse attendant and not hold it because he might squeeze it out himself. We're not worried he's going to squeeze it out himself. He can even bring it home with him. And so that was the uh, chidush that uh, Rabbi Chan Rabbi Akavya said that he holds like Rabbi Shimon that they can even bring the towel home with him after drying it. And that was the novelty that he said. This is only true with regard to drawing water. In other words, if the person wants to draw water, he can use this... Um, uh, this these leniencies of having a uh, a mechita which doesn't really reach down to the body of water, but uh, symbolically is there as if it reached down to the body of water. That's only for fil- for drawing water because they allowed people to do it because they wanted to drink, but not for spilling out garbage water. Right, matkivla rav shizvi rav shizvi raised an objection. What's the difference between this? And as we're going to see, like a cesspool type of thing that a person is allowed to pour water into it, even though it might draw out, it might actually end up in the Rishut HaRabim, it's okay. So it says, 
that one of them has an end and one of them doesn't have an end. So what does it mean? So Rashi says, Because when it comes to a uh, pouring the water into a sort of a cesspool type of a thing, so it, it'll absorb in the ground. That's the idea. So therefore, when you drop it into that uh, sort of tunnel that you have in your yard or, or that... Um, you know, whatever it is that carries the water out, really it might absorb into the ground before it ever gets to the Shutter Rabin. But here you're pouring it directly onto an area which is uh, not an area you're technically allowed to carry from. And we're being lenient with you to allow you to do it. So we're only allowed to do it when we're going to drink the water. So we need the water. Okay, but to spill out water from your Shutter into this questionable area that you're making a makeshift kind of imaginary wall around isn't good enough. So it says, um, Rav Shiz, uh, it says, Ikadam um, Raisam have an alternative version of this, that, uh, don't think that you're only allowed to draw water, but you're not allowed to spill things down this opening of this balcony. It's even allowed to pour things out. That should be obvious, says Rav Shizvi, in this version, instead of challenging, he's supporting. He says it should be obvious. This is the same as the kind of cesspool that you pour water to in, into in your yard and it carries it out to the Rashut uh, where you're allowed to pour into it. So you might have thought that since the cesspool container really or the sewer is really something that could could absorb all of the liquid before it ever reaches the Rashut it's okay. Here, since you're pouring it right down the balcony into the Karmalit, maybe it's not okay. So therefore it's coming to tell you that it is okay even when you're spilling things out, you're allowed to Kamashmalan. If you had two balconies, one is above, one is below. The one above has the watering hole and the one below does not. That's only true if they're next to each other, right? Meaning these two, these two uh, uh, balconies of these apartments are close to each other. Meaning they're not more, they're not four tvachim or more away from each other. So that way it's easy access really for the lower apartment to reach the higher apartment to draw water. That's why he's, he will prohibit even the person in the upper apartment from using that balcony because it's shared by both of them. Right? Rav is following his own reasoning. Because Rav said that a person cannot prohibit his friend through the air. And if the apartment below is more than fourth Fahim away from the apartment above, then the only way he would be able to get his bucket on there is by throwing it using the, the airspace, and therefore he would not prohibit his friend. I'm sorry, that Rabba said, and then Rav Rav Yosef Amar Rav Yoshaya Yesh Gezel B'Shabbat V'Chuba Machzul Abalim So there's two concepts here. There is stealing on Shabbat and a ruin returns to its owners. So what does that mean? So seemingly what it means initially, the Gemara assumes, is that if a person uses a certain lot, uses a certain area that really belongs to his neighbor but he always uses it, so that actually makes it his with regard to Hilachot Shabbat, and therefore he wouldn't have to make an Some say that means he wouldn't have to make an Erovechatzerot uh, with the other owner, because even though the other person actually owns it, he never uses it, and this guy is stealing it, but it's right, he's using it. So it's therefore his. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that it means that he needs to make an Erovechatzerot with the other guy, even though he's not supposed to be using the guy's backyard. Since he does, he now becomes like a resident and he has to join the Erovechatzerot. But then it says that a Churva, a ruin, is returns uh, to its owner. So seemingly what that means is that whatever 
isn't yours is not going to be considered yours for Shabbat. Even if you use it during the week, it's not going to be considered yours for Shabbat. So which one is it? So it's, it seems contradictory. It seems like a contradiction. You told me that there's such a thing as stealing on Shabbat, which means that I really acquired it because I use it during the week all the time, even though it really belongs to my friend, it becomes mine. But then you said that something which, that a ruin is returns to its owner, meaning that it doesn't become mine just because I use it illegally. It stays the owner's. So that's what it means. There's a law of stealing on Shabbat is what it means. How does that work? The ruin returns to its owners. In other words, according to this, it's the exact opposite of what we said before. Even though you illegally use it all the time, it doesn't become yours. And that's why it says, there's a din of Gezel Shabbat. There's a law of stealing on Shabbat, meaning that the fact that it doesn't rightfully belong to you, that reality, that it doesn't actually belong to you, is what prevails on Shabbat. And therefore, it only belongs to the person who really owns it. That we raised an objection to our teaching here. Because we said that if the person who lives on the lower balcony didn't make any rule, but the person who lives on the upper balcony, he's going to prohibit the person on the other bal- uh, upper balcony, even though it's not his. Now, if you're going to say that there's a law of, of Gezel, meaning that since the upper balcony is definitely not rightfully the possession of the guy in the lower balcony, so why should he prohibit the guy in the upper balcony, even if he illegally uses his watering hole all the time uh, the, you know, by throwing his bucket over there? We're talking about where the guy in the lower balcony contributed together. They enclosed the watering hole that was in the upper balcony. The guy in the lower balcony doesn't have it, but the guy in the upper balcony does. So since he had something to do with it, it's not considered gezel. It's not considered not his. If that's true, says if that's true. So then, even if because in the Mishnah said that if you if the people on the lower balcony made an enclosure for their balcony in a water hole, so then they won't prohibit the one who is on the upper balcony. Meaning it won't be considered that he, they share the guys in the upper balcony, right? So so and therefore it won't be an issue, right? So it says if that's true. Meaning, if we're really talking about a case where the people on the lower apartment help the people in the upper apartment to build the watering hole enclosure, so then even in the case where it says that uh, it's not the rightful possession of the lower uh, uh, apartment owner, so how do we explain that? Right. So it says, "Kevan dasul tachtona galui galedata da'na badach lanichali." It says that when a person made the enclosure, in other words, as long as the people in the lower apartment hadn't made any enclosure of their own, they were considered to be partners in the enclosure of the people in the upper apartment that they had actually contributed to. But once they make their own enclosure, it's a demonstration that they don't intend to uh, partner in the upper enclosure anymore. And now they have their own. So that's why even if they helped with the upper enclosure they would no longer be in factor at that point. The Mishnah says, If you have a yard that is less than four amot square, you should not spill out your wastewater on Shabbat. Unless you have a kind of a cesspool little uh, thing that, that holds two sa'ah, uh, a volume of liquid from the hole and below because it'd have a, like a hole that it drained off. You would pour wastewater into it and when it reached a certain level it would drain off out of the hole into the Rishut That's true whether it's in the Chatzer, this hole, or it is outside 
in the street because El Hashemi Bachut Tzarech Likmur Mevifnim and Tzarech Likmur. The difference is that when when you're using a sort of a cesspool container, like we said, if it's outside the Chatzer, so then it has to have a cover on it the rest of the time because if it doesn't, then other kinds of debris and junk will get in there and then when you pour water on it, it's going to overflow into the Rishut HaRabim and you're not allowed to do that. You have to pour such that it absorbs into the ground or that's the concept. So if it's in your Chatzer, you can pour into it as long as it's big enough and if it's in the outer, if it's outside the chatzer, then it has to have a cover on it. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Biv, Shehu Kamur, Arba Amod Veshut HaRabim, Shofchim Letocho Maim B'Shabbat. If you have a canal sort of thing that is covered for four Amot in the Veshut HaRabim, you can pour water into it on Shabbat. Now, that doesn't mean that you can carry the water into the Veshut HaRabim. It means you can pour it into there from your chatzer. And, um, and it's, uh, as long as it has the four Amot that are still, uh, you know, that are covered, that will make it clear. We're going to see the Gemara is going to explain why that's important um, very soon. So the, um, that's Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. The Rabbi say, even if you have a, a gigantic roof or you have a chatzer that is a hundred amot, you're not allowed to pour it right into one of these channels that leads to the Rishut HaRabim. You can pour it onto the roof. And then, uh, and then the water will slowly drip and make its way into the uh, into the gutter that will carry it out. The chatzir, um, and if you have like also a portico of some sort, uh, something that is on pillars and that is open on the sides, that's also part of it, that will also count towards the four amot. So also if you have two balconies across from each other, facing each other, so um, it says, some of the members of these apartments made a kind of a cesspool to pour the water in and some did not. The people who made it are allowed to use it and the people who didn't make it are not allowed to use it on Shabbat. And that's, that's the, uh, what the Mishnah has to, has to say. And the Gemara is going to explain a little bit more about what the cases are and what the issues are here. So the Gemara starts by saying, my Tama, what's the reason? Now the Gemara actually is asking the reason why a smaller chatzer um, <clears throat> because it, it, it says you, if you have a smaller chatzer, you're not allowed to pour water into it unless you have a special thing that you pour it into. The implication is if you have a larger chatzer, you're allowed to pour it even into the regular, uh, regular chatzer. So it says, the answer is, Since a person normally uses two sa'ah of water each day, um, so it says, so if a person uh, a person um, has a backyard that's four amot by four amot, that means he can do interesting things back there. There's actually some space. So if that's the case, then he might want to make sure the de- dust settles on the ground. So he might actually sprinkle his water there in order that the dust should settle on the ground and not disturb people. And therefore, if he's doing that, in other words, the size of the, uh, the he doesn't need a, a cesspool anymore because he can sprinkle the water that is the junk water uh, around his yard and that will settle the dust and he doesn't have any intent uh, intention of it going uh, into the Rishut HaRabim then and it'll be okay. But, pachot, midalid, shofachan. Right, so if he, 
If it's less than four amot, by four amot, then he just spills it out. If he, if he has a, a cesspool type of thing, then he can pour it into there. And if not, then he can't. Why? Because nobody would settle the dust in a tiny little yard where they wouldn't do any activity. It has to be big enough that they would do an activity, and then he can say, I'm settling the dust. Rabbi Zerah Amar, the reason is because four amot will absorb. It's enough to absorb. It's, it's enough to, uh, it, it literally it means taimei. It ends, right? So, and, and uh, the water will end. Uh, whereas larger, the, if it's less than four amot, it won't end. Meaning it's not enough to absorb the, um, uh, the, the liquid that you're pouring on it. So it's not a question of whether it's a usable area that you want to settle the dust. It's a question of whether it is um, large enough that it will absorb the water rather than the water running off directly into the Rishut HaRabim because then basically pouring on the yard if it's that small is the same as pouring it into the Rishut HaRabim So the question is what's the difference between these two interpretations whether we say the reason why a small Chatser has different rules than a big Chatser is because a big Chatser you would want to keep it with the dust settled, or because the big chatzer will absorb the water, and that's why you don't need a cesspool in that. Amar says, If it's not, if it's rectangular instead of square, that's the issue, right? Meaning, if it's square, um, if the question is about use, whether you're going to use the area or not, you'll use a square area, but an area that has a funny shape, you might not use it. If it's uh, even if the area, the actual surface area is the same, but if the dimensions, if it's very long and very short on one side, so then you're not going to use it. So that will that so if it goes by usage, whether you're going to use that area or not. So then, if it's rectangular and squeezed and narrow in certain places instead of square, you're probably not going to use it. So so dropping the water there wouldn't be an, there wouldn't be any excuse for it. However, if the question is whether it can absorb or not, so then it doesn't make a difference what the shape is. we learned in the Mishnah. It said that if you have a yard and you also have an achzadra, you also have an a portico that's on pillars. So these combine together. To make the four amot, it makes sense according to Rabbi Zerah because the only reason why we have a measurement of four amot is to measure how much ground there is to absorb the water. But according to Rabbi, that the reason why we, four amot is significant is because that's the amount of space that you would use for activities, and therefore you would want to settle the dust in that area. That wouldn't be true here because here we're talking about where. It's a funny shape, so it's not really suited for any outdoor activity. So, Rabbi Zerah answered for his own opponent. He said, I'll tell you what my opponent would say. He would say, He would say that the reason why um, the Achsadra counts is because it's still a square 4 by 4 amot, but the Achsadra extends along the length of the entire, that entire side of the Rishut HaRabim, and it's actually square. Tashim, that's what, so Rabbi Zerah saying, that's what Rabbah would say if you asked him the question, even though Rabbi Zerah doesn't even agree with Rabbah here. Tashim, I will come and listen. If you have a that's less than 4 by 4 amot, you can't pour water there on Shabbat. Now it says there, this makes sense according to Rabbah, because Rabbah said it has to be 4 by 4. It says 4 by 4 here. According to Rabbi Zerah, that it's just about the, the area. It's not about that it has to be square four by four. It's just about the, the amount of surface area. So then why does it mention Dalad al Dalad? This is going according to the rabbis. But our Mishnah follows Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov wouldn't care 
about whether it was longer on one side, shorter on the other side. It doesn't have to be four by four square. Amot the country, Elias ben Yaakov, and we're going to because he says that it's about absorption into the ground, not about whether you're going to use the space or not. The rabbis who say it's going to go by the space. They'll say that uh, it has to be four by four amot perfectly. So why did Rabbi Zerad decide to say that our entire Mishnah follows Rabbi Zerad ben Yaakov? Because the Mishnah itself was problematic because my why does it start up by saying the chatzir that is less than four amot, what you're allowed to do? Right? So, why does it say less than four amot? Why doesn't it say that it doesn't have four amot? Right? That would be a clearer way of expressing it. Right? You learn that it's really Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov because it's not, a, it's not something where you have to have four by four. Right, that that would be shein badalid amot or shein badalid dal dalid amot. But the fact that it says it has less than four amot means that it has less than the total area that would be created by four by four amot, which is less than sixteen square amot. But um, it doesn't matter what the setup is. Isn't it? But what about the fact that later on in the Mishnah we see Rabbi Yehuda ben Yaakov appearing as one of the characters in the Mishnah? So that implies that the the rest of the Mishnah was not him. So it says, no, that's not true, not necessarily. We could always say, it's really all Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov, but it's missing something. This is what it should say. It should say, that's less than four amot square. You can't pour water into it on Shabbat. Implying that if it is four amot or more, you could pour. Because it should say, instead of just saying Rebbe Yezer ben Yaakov Omer, which sounds like a descent, it should say, because he says, because he says um, that if you have a uh, sort of a canal or a drainage uh, channel, that is covered for four amot in the Shut Habim, you can pour into it on Shabbat, obviously from a place where you're allowed to pour, even though it's going to travel out into the Rishut Habim, it's okay, because it'll get absorbed in the ground along the way. So that's really the logic of Rabbi Ben Yaakov. Rabbi Ben Yaakov, Biva Kamor, so Clearly, our Mishnah doesn't follow Chananya because there's an even more, uh, another one, yet another opinion. The Tanya, it says in the Brayta, Chananya Omer, Filu Gag Me'ama, Lo Yishpoch, even if the roof is a hundred amot, you can't pour on it. Because the purpose of a, of a roof is not to absorb the water, it is to move the water along. And the whole point is here that when you pour out this water, you don't want to seem like you're facilitating its exit into the Rishut HaRabim. You're supposed to look like you're just pouring it out, and where it goes, it goes. But if you pour it on the roof, no matter how big the roof is, um, you might make the excuse that, oh, it will end up trickling down into the uh, gutter and go out. And you're not allowed, so you're not allowed to do it because it's not really a place of absorption. So Chananya says you can't do it at all. The rabbi said you could pour it on the roof as long as you don't pour it directly into the channel and then it will, it'll make its way to the gutter and go out. Tana, we learned in a bright This is all during the summertime that you need this special cesspool opening in the ground of the chatzir. But in the wintertime, you can pour as much as you want. You don't have to stop. What's the reasoning? Because a person wants, he says, he wants a, the water to absorb in its place. But really what it means is he doesn't care. During the wintertime, everything is wet and, and rainy. And so therefore, having some water in your lawn is nothing. 
And that's why it wouldn't make a difference during the time. But wait a second, a person always wants the water that they're throwing away to be absorbed into the ground, and, let, and yet we're not always allowed to. Because over there, what do we have to worry about? Right, if it's because of the chazir becoming ruined with water, it's already ruined, right? And if you'll say maybe it's because of a of marit ayin, people are going to see that this water is coming out of his yard and think that he is having his gutter. Uh, he's pouring directly into his gutter and it's going out into the Rishut HaRabim through the canal. It says, no, during the wintertime, everybody's gutters are always flowing with water and therefore nobody will even be able to tell. And that's why it wouldn't be an issue there. Okay, that's the, uh, uh, that is the reason why pouring things onto, the, um, onto any other surface, onto the Chatzir, is going to be okay. But even though Hananiah says you can't pour things onto the roof, unlike what the rabbis had said earlier. So Rav Nachman said, if you have a one of these cesspool containers that eventually flows itself out to the Rishut Rabim, if it holds two sa'ah of liquid, then that's how much you put in it. Sataim, uh, I'm sorry, machzik sa'ah, if it only holds a sa'ah, not nimo sa'ah, then you can put in a sa'ah. Bimot but in the summertime, machzik sataim, not nimo sataim, if it holds two sa'ah, put in two sa'ah. And, but, but if, if it only holds you don't put anything in it at all if it's too small. If it only holds one, then during the summer you don't put anything in it at all. So the Gemara says, but it, it, even in the summertime, if the, if the cesspool in your yard can contain a se'ah, why can't you put a se'ah in? So because maybe you'll come and put too much in, it'll overflow. But if that's true, then why are we not worried also during the winter time? He says, there's nothing to worry about there because because if you're worried about ruining the field, it's already ruined because it's all rained on. If you're worried that maybe they're going to say that uh, that somebody's gutter is spilling water into the Rishut Rabim, but there, at that time of year, Everybody's sinod, everybody's gutters are flowing with water, and therefore the fact that yours is is not going to be an issue. Amar Abayabai says, If that's true, then it doesn't matter. You can put as much as you want in, even though you know it's going to overflow in the um, in the uh, cesspool and it's going to start going out into the Shur It's okay to put as much as you want because you're not directly doing it. You're pouring it into the uh, into the cesspool. Amar Abayabai says. Um, this is talking about, again, these two balconies that they share a cesspool, or one of them made it and one of them did not. So he says, That's true, says Rava, even if they made an Eruv. But Amar Abayabai says, What's the reasoning? If you're going to tell me that the reason why nobody's allowed to use the cesspool unless they participated in paying for it or something like that, if, that's true, if the concern is because it's going to be too much water, in other words, you're saying that these, uh, this other family that it doesn't belong to them cannot pour their wastewater into the cesspool because why? Because there'll be too much water and it'll overflow. If that's true, but that's not true. But then we learned because we learned whether it is an uka, this sort of a cesspool thing that you pour water into and then it spills out eventually, or if it's gistra, um, if it is a broken piece of pottery or brecha, or it's like a pretend, uh, or it's like a. Um, a type of a uh, a, a um, some container of water or areva, something that looks like a little boat, whatever it might be. 
even though they're already full of water from before Shabbat, you're not doing it directly, so you can fill them up as much as you want. It doesn't matter that they're already full, you can still fill them. So here too, even though these people are extra, so to speak, the people in the other apartment that didn't make the cesspool, they're extra, but they want to use it, and they're going to overtax the capacity, it's okay, because we don't care about going over the capacity. Anyway, but it's, it, really, we say that it doesn't matter. So, rather, if the statement was said, it was said as follows. The only time where the people in uh, another apartment or house that shares the courtyard cannot use that um, uh, that cesspool is only when they didn't make an eruv. That's when it is. But if they made an eruv, now all of a sudden anybody who's in the eruv is also allowed to use that cesspool. You can't hold... Uh, it, it over their heads. What's the reason why if they didn't make an Eruv, they wouldn't be able to do it? Because because maybe they're going to end up bringing things from their houses into that area. In other words, what we're talking about here is pouring out wastewater. Obviously, it didn't have to be brought from the house into the courtyard. It was already in the courtyard and that's why he's allowed to spill it out into this shared area. And um, on the other hand, if they, so if they have an Eruv, everyone is good. But if they don't have an Eruv, it's going to be a problem. So the question is, why is it a problem? If they're just spilling out wastewater from the Chatzer itself and they don't have to bring anything from the houses, it shouldn't be a problem. But the thing is that they're also going to want to bring things from their houses uh, into the, uh, you know, out to the, um, to the cesspool. So they're going to bring wastewater from inside the house as well. And then they'll end up violating Shabbat. So therefore, we said that if it is a shared space of, uh, like in a Chatzer, and uh, and w- one or more of the families did not participate in the Erobe Chatserot, so then they, they're going to be restricted on using the Chatser and also on using the cesspool. And that's where, um, and again, that, that could be even where they left the, um, the, the wastewater or whatever it is in the Chatser before Shabbat. Still, it wouldn't matter. The re- but the, but uh, why do we make this rule that if they didn't make an Erov, they can't spill things of water that were already in the chatzer before Shabbat. Normally, you're allowed to move things around the chatzer even without an eruv, as long as you don't bring anything from the house to the eruv, to, to the chatzer. So the answer is because people might bring things from their houses to the to spill them out as well, and then they will be violating the rule of eruv chatzerot. So that's why the ideal is for everyone to make an eruv so everybody has equal access to the cesspool for drainage. And of course, we say Hadran Allah Ketab Mishtatfin, Hadran Allah Ketab Mishtatfin, Hadran Allah Ketab Mishtatfin, and tomorrow, Bezwar Hashem, we will continue with Peytet with the new parak of Kol Gagot.